You are now tuned in to the Profit Link Up. Welcome to the Profit Link Up, your community connection to small businesses in the Memphis area. I'm John, and I'm your host today. And our guest today is Dr. Justin Dodson from Navigating Courage Counseling and Consultation, LLC. Welcome, Dr. Dodson. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, tell me what's unique about your clinic. I think what's unique about my clinic or, or my practice is that I cater to adult males and couples specifically. Uh, so a lot of people in private practice or a lot of clinicians specialize with children or adolescents, um, even, even severe mental illness or diagnosis. Mm -hmm. But I cater specifically to adult males uh, and couples, and I offer in-person and telehealth sessions. A lot of clinicians are still sticking with telehealth uh, Sticking with telehealth uh, sure. as a platform for clients, um, but I see in-person and telehealth. Oh, really? Uh, so, what what made you want to make sure that you stick to uh, that you uh, had sort of the old-fashioned way of doing it, as well as as well as the latest technological advances? Yeah, I think that what we've learned about COVID and different practices is that. It's good to invest in old school ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. I think that there is value in sitting face to face with people. Absolutely. And then when we talk about meeting the needs of our clients, everybody needs a little bit something different. Uh, and so some people that I talk to during the intake process are adamant about doing telehealth and some people are adamant about being in person. Uh, and so depending on their needs and their level of, of care that they're requiring, I think it's really important to meet them where they are. Absolutely. Well, what led you to establish uh, your practice? Yeah. So I have worked oh, for various organizations here in the city. Um, so I'm a native right here in Memphis, Tennessee, went to Memphis. Central High School. All right. Um, I went to UT Chattanooga for undergrad and I was really going to school to be a lawyer. Uh, okay. I was on a mock trial team growing up. It was said that I was going to be a lawyer. And then as soon as I hit college, I said, you know, no, I'm going to be a therapist. And so I set out to do that by majoring in psychology at UT Chattanooga. Hmm. Um, I went on to Lipscomb University to become the first African-American male to get a master's in professional counseling from there. Wow. Congratulations. Um, thanks. And then from there, I worked with nonprofit towards my license hours, worked at the University of Memphis, UT Health Science Center, working with medical students. Um, and then I left my job with nonprofit in December um, because it just didn't make sense anymore. Okay. Uh, and so for me, what made sense to directly impact lives was to go into private practice. And so that's exactly what I did. I, I expanded it to full time at the start of this year. And so I've been hitting the ground running ever since. Well, what made you decide to narrow to the audience that, uh, that you've narrowed to? That seems like a, uh, uh, an, interesting, an yeah. interesting grouping that I, uh, I don't hear uh, detail that specifically that often. Yeah. So I, I am a firm believer that males deserve a safe space to exist. Hmm. Um, you know, oftentimes, even when you go to a clothing store, the whole store is a women's section, right? And so right. men have this small <laughs> section of clothes that they can pick from. Um, when you when you look at certain products, there's a small margin for males. And so when you look at various industries, males really don't show up in spaces that allow them to be vulnerable, allow them to just exist. Uh, and so what I've learned working with adult males over time that, hey, this is really my niche and what I really like to get into, because where else can you say, hey, my wife is stressing me out or my kids are getting on my nerves or I don't feel adequate at my job. And so be 
because I can provide this space for adult males and couples, I think it's really important because a lot of the males that I see also have relationship issues or we grow up not being vulnerable or expressing our emotions. And then we grow up to be angry or aggressive. And then that's mislabeled opposed to, hey, maybe he just needs someone to talk to. And so I, I really fell in love with the work um, and that population of people. Um, and I believe in it. So that's what I that's that's how I got here. Are you showing a greater willingness of males to be vulnerable and accept uh, accept counseling uh, as a sign of strength rather than a sign of weakness? Absolutely. You know, I think that historically we know what statistics say about males going to counseling and actually staying in counseling. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I found in other colleagues of mine, we found that we're men are coming and they're talking and they're being vulnerable and they're willing to invest in it. Hmm. Um, I said recently that if if men could invest in their therapist the same way that they invest in their barber, just imagine how different things could be, right? So we're loyal to going to that that golfing club. We're loyal to going to that barber. We're loyal to, to that sports bar. Mm -hmm. But what if we were that loyal to our therapist, a place that's supposed to be safe for us? Yeah. But that, that is interesting as you think about it. I, I hadn't really framed those those uh, locations before. It's sort of safe spaces for men. That, that, that That's one of the reasons we like going is that we feel safe there, but we yeah. don't have a place where we can feel safe about having truly intimate, deep conversations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that's what I think that I offer. Um, and so my clientele range from, I think, you know, 18 all the way to 61 uh, mm -hmm. in terms of, of age and different races, um, different belief systems, different professions. And so I think that uh, as I continue to have this gift, I'll continue to share it with the world and, and, and hopefully that I'm doing a good work. That's fantastic. Well, how has the pandemic exacerbated the mental health scene? Yeah. So we know statistically uh, a lot of things have gone up since pandemic in terms of mental health diagnosis, uh, in terms of people seeking help. Mm -hmm. um, and the, 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 let's see, the, the resources that are out there, I think people are really seeking them out to figure out, all right, I'm not having the same human connection that I've had. Everything is all in one place, home, work, school, kids, everybody's in one place. I need a place to escape to. Uh, and so that I found that, I mean, I opened my practice during the pandemic. I was seeing clients part time. I'd leave my job during the day as an assistant director and I'd go home, log on, see a couple of clients a week. Um, and then once I realized, hey, this can be a full time thing, I joined the great resignation at the end of the year and found an office space here in Memphis and, and set up shop. Uh, but I think that the numbers have continued to increase over the pandemic with people reaching out for help and seeking those resources. Um, and I think that it'll continue to, to be on a rise, honestly. That's fantastic. Well, as you as you mentioned, your office space uh, probably seems like a good break to tell us how people can find you. Uh, yeah. So my website is navigatingcouragecac.com. Uh, my email address is navigatingcourage at gmail.com. Uh, and so I prefer people to either reach out through the website or email me. Uh, my office number is 901-818-3211. Uh, and so people can leave me a message, send me an email. I'll get back to you. We usually start to do a 15-minute complimentary intake session. A lot of people are really eager and they want to start therapy right away. But it's really important that no matter if it's myself or another clinician, you start with an intake session, which is typically complimentary. Uh, because you want to make sure that that therapist is a good fit for you just as much as they are a good fit, you know. So it has to go both ways. What makes a what makes a good therapist uh, patient uh, mm, fit? It's a really good question. Uh, you know, one question that I always ask people during the intake process is, "What are you looking for in a therapist?" 
um, because maybe I can't meet your needs based on, or maybe I'm not a good fit. I think that it depends on what people are looking for. Uh, but for me, I think what a good ratio is, is do you have somebody that can really see you? Do you have somebody that's competent um, and that's licensed and that has experience with every, whatever your presenting concern is? Um, you know, if I don't have much experience in eating disorders, I may not be the person for you. But if I can speak to depression and anxiety and relationship issues and communication or some type of addiction, then, yeah, I can be the guy for you. So I think it's really important to get a vibe. You know, I've had people say, well, I really want somebody older. Uh, and so I never thought that that would be a factor because hmm. uh, I also worked with adolescents for a while in my career. And hmm. so uh, I think having that initial conversation, making sure that you feel confident in their ability and that you feel heard, that they can identify your goals um, I think that 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 makes for a really good space. And then, you know, is your counselor fun? Is it is it can you cuss with your counselor? Can you make jokes? Uh, if you can't do that, then that sounds like a boring time. But, you know, I am I am. Hey, come in here and be whoever you want to be. And that's what we're going to do. So it sounds more interactive than uh, than the than uh, than what uh, TV tropes would have had us believe. Absolutely, you know, there's a time for that, right? Depending on whatever we're talking about, but otherwise, who wants to just sit there and be bored the whole time? So I, I think that you know, you can take a deep dive and still enjoy yourself. Uh, therapy is a safe space, not a not a agonizing space. That's that's interesting. It, it sounds like uh, you've you've made a practice that's uh, far less sterile uh, than, than than others might. Hey, I would say so. You'd have to ask my clients, but I would say so. Um, I, I aim to do that, and you know, one of my favorite parts about myself is my sense of humor and my personality. And if that can't show up in the work that I do, what am I really doing? Right. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Got to be able to enjoy yourself at, at work and, and uh, enjoy the people. Enjoy the people you're working with. I think to to really True. want to see them be their best selves. Yeah. Yeah. Just like they invest in you, you're really investing in them as well. Absolutely. Well, tell me where you see yourself and, and your practice in 10 years. Ooh, that's a good question. That's that, that's that obligatory first day of school question, isn't it? <laughs> um, you know, I, I see myself continuing to have a full caseload with adult males and couples um, continuing to do trainings, uh, offer a suicide and other violence prevention training hmm. to different corporations, different organizations, schools. Um, I offer a mental health in the black community training. So continuing to do speaking engagements, also adjunct at the University of Memphis. And so continuing to do all of those things, um, looking where opportunities make sense um, for clinicians. I think that the industry is rising and we can do so many things. So I hope that in 10 years, I am using all of the gifts that I have, no matter what that may be. But I know that therapy is always going to be at the center of that. Hmm. Do you find uh, black males have a uh, different feel uh, or different uh, resistance or, or or less reluctance, perhaps, to go to counseling hmm. than, than Caucasian and other sometimes cultural differences in the way people yeah. are brought up and what a toughness is, is seen to be sometimes. Absolutely. I think, I think that there are commonalities between all men, right? Absolutely. I, I think in terms of what does it look like to be a male? What does it look like to take care of a family? What does it look like to provide? And then I think culturally you do have these unspoken norms, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the thing that I see uh, um, between my black male clients is I had to be strong. I had to... Mm -hmm be tough. I had to be this, this person that maybe I wasn't ready to be or didn't know how to be. 
Right. Um, and then I think with my other clients, it's it's really about how do I really express myself? So I think that there are commonalities between all men. I think culturally, um, black men are the de- it's on the decline in terms of stigma and wanting to talk. I think more men are really wanting to talk, even from barbershop conversations or talking about business or being on the golf course. There's a willingness to talk. I think sometimes we just don't know where to go and how to do it. But I, I definitely think that it's there. Um, and so I hope that men continue to go to therapy and, and seek counseling because um, why not? The resource is there. Well, absolutely. And, and human nature is human nature. We just have sometimes put up different uh, artifices and barriers yeah. uh, to try and hide what that what that true self is. Absolutely. And we do that through we do that through um, drinking. We do that through sex. We do that through pornography. We do that through um, sometimes verbal abuse. We do that by ignoring our feelings. And so, you know, therapy really gets to the origin of this place. You know, a lot of people are into coaching these days. Coaching is more of a surface level. What action steps are you taking? Therapy takes that and also gets to the root and gets to to the behind the scenes of what's presenting and what's going on to look at your patterns of behavior. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when we can find out, hey, where does this come from? And that takes a few sessions to track back. Then I think that that's where the breakthrough for a lot of men, that's where that happens. Um, And then they see the investment and they keep going. They keep coming. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes I may come to therapy for one issue. Five sessions later, we're talking about a different issue because we didn't really know that something else was there or we weren't honest with ourselves. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But you talked a little bit about how COVID affected people. How is the digital age affecting mm-hmm. uh, affecting men? You, talk, you spoke a little bit about pornography. Yeah. Uh, certainly there's a, uh, a distancing that uh, uh, what are the difference between a real friend and a Facebook friend, as it were? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, even when we look at texting, right? Mm-hmm. So even though that's a form of communication, no one's really picking up the phone to talk anymore right. uh, because either we're avoiding real conversations or we don't know how to have them. Uh, and then it's all about accessibility, right? So if it's easier just to text because I'm in a meeting or something's going on, then that's just better to do it. Uh, I think that technology is a great asset for us. And then also depending on how we use it, it can also be a barrier, hmm. right? So a lot of people talk about social media as this entity of stay off social media. I love social media. Because it allows me to escape in a world that's really not my business. And I just get lost in looking at, you know, motivational things and fitness things and things that motivate me and that feel good. Right. Uh, and so I think that the digital age, it depends on how we use it. Are we using what we have to avoid life or are we using what we have to actually contribute and motivate us? So I guess you see the positives and the negatives of what could be coming with the with advances such as a metaverse and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's positive. I think there's a way to make meaning out of anything. Hmm. Uh, And then also it's all about perspective taking. Hmm. Uh, And so I I think that if so, just like emotions. Right. So everybody thinks we're not everybody, but there's a misconception that anger or frustration are bad emotions Mm -hmm. or feelings. Well, they give us information. So just because I'm angry doesn't mean that I have to go and be violent. I get right. to choose what I do with that feeling, just like with with the digital age. I get to choose what I do with this form of communication. I get to choose what I how I use this platform. So instead of arguing with people on Facebook, you just post good stuff oh. and you keep up with old church members. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Fascinating approach. But what's been the biggest challenge for you in starting your own clinic? Uh, confidence. Hmm. Yeah, confidence. Um 
I, I definitely think that schools or programs glorify having a private practice, but mm-hmm. no one really teaches you the business aspect of it or the marketing aspect of it. Right. And so here you are with this gift of, hey, I can talk to people. I can provide the safe space. I've gone. I've gotten 11 and a half years of school, but no one teaches you how to make a spreadsheet. Right. right? Or or what does that confidence look like to actually step out there with five clients on your caseload? And then, you know, where is that going to go? So I would say the biggest challenge has been me getting in my own way and convincing myself that or second guessing that maybe this won't work. Okay. Um, And so I would say that that would be the number one. And then also managing a business, you know, thinking about overhead costs and what does marketing look like? And if you do too much at one time, will you be able to handle the influx of potential clients that they may bring? Um, it's not even about providing the service. It's the behind the scenes things. Sure. Uh, and I also think that when you're in private practice by yourself, like I am, it can be isolating. Mm-hmm. You know, my first week in the office, I found myself sitting around like, oh, gosh, because I, I went from a job where I'm around 20 people all day, every day to it's just you in between clients. And so how do you feel that space? How do you stay healthy? How do you take care of yourself even between clients? Um, so I, I would say that those have been my biggest challenges, but I think every month is an opportunity to do something new. Well, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting that you say those things. I'm, I'm fascinated and, and I admire your vulnerability that, that so often I think sometimes when people are counted on to be trusted advisors and, and, and counted upon for their wisdom in so many areas, they end up isolated themselves. And the question is, who counsels the counselors? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, luckily for me, I think a lot of therapists actually have therapists, which I think is really cool. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Uh, And I also think that, you know, for me specifically, it's important to be vulnerable. It's important to model the behavior that I want to see. Absolutely. Uh, And so I'm hoping that, you know, whoever may listen to this interview can say, hey, you know, that, that sounds like a person that I'd want to connect with. Uh, because there's no point in lying about what the challenges are. You know, that doesn't help anybody. Right. Um, just like, yeah, there, there's no point in lying about the challenges or, or putting on. That's how we got to these unhealthy spaces to begin with. I, so. I think we see it so often. Right? We see, you know, professors are sort of the, uh, the professors particularly are, are sort of number one profession for suffering from imposter syndrome. Yeah. Sort of because, again, they're counted on as if they're supposed to know everything. Yeah. And it's in, when it's impossible to, but it's it's refreshing to hear vulnerability from somebody who does have a wise perspective and yet can say, I don't know it all. Yeah. I think, you know, that's a common thing that I've also seen. I think if you have a profession, no matter what that may be, sometimes imposter syndrome shows up. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think I, w- I was with somebody the other day um, and he mentioned it. And here I am thinking, well, how? You know, but the truth is, no matter what you do, there's always some type of pressure to perform. Um, even if even if you haven't found your career path yet or if you haven't found what your purpose is, there's a pressure behind that. Sure. And so how do we actually just exist and be okay with where we are while right. still focusing on getting somewhere? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, and I think, I think sometimes it's hard to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and to realize that, to see, hey, by the way, I'm, I'm quite sure that, uh, that uh, former President Obama yeah. uh, suffered from it himself yeah. uh, at, at times. You, you'd have to, to be a, to be a, a decent, well-rounded human being. You'd, yeah. you'd have to think, by the way, people are counting on me for more than any one human can possibly deliver. Absolutely. There is, I've learned that there's really no real blueprint to life. 
And so we're all figuring it out. Our parents didn't always get it right because they had to figure it out. And so people that are parents now, they won't always get it right, but you're figuring it out. Uh, and so that's what I think we're all doing, especially during a pandemic, during um, times of uh, racial, you know, tension sure. in times of figuring out passions and purposes and finances and love lives. I think that, you know, life is a beautiful thing mm-hmm. and we get to decide on a daily basis what we want it to look like. Mm-hmm. So I, I am I am just really grateful for where I am and what I'm what I'm able to do. That's fascinating. Yeah. You, you talked about uh, some of the challenges you got. Uh, you've got business wise, and and those are challenges. Because I, I know your passion is to treat patients. Yeah. Uh, and yet you've got almost a second full time job to be able to to run the business. How do you balance that? Absolutely. So I I actually don't see clients on Fridays. Okay. Uh, and so Fridays are my admin days to do connecting activities, uh, lunch and learns, continuing education, um, making sure that I have put in all my notes from the week? Uh, Do I need to do any intakes? And so that's really my day to clean up. And so I've learned that take a lunch break because that's something that I haven't (laughs) always remembered to do. Um, Really take a day to just focus on the behind the scenes of the job. Don't start too early and be too eager. Um, It's okay to have boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say, hey, no, I can't meet at that time. and I think that starting the day with gratitude is really important. I always tell my clients, even start my sessions with what's good about today, because it places us in a position of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And we know that research tells us that, you know, expressing gratitude, spending time in nature, feeling the sun on your skin, those things help with um, helping us feel better. Uh, absolutely. I've been reading studies lately that talk about it in terms of even longevity you know, of lifespan of yeah. people with a positive outlook. Uh, yeah, uh, is is significantly longer, and I, I find myself on my worst of days that it, that it helps. Uh, you know, whether or not someone was religious, almost saying mm-hmm. grace and saying a blessing and giving thanks uh, uh, on a daily basis puts yeah. me back in tune with. By the way, I on my worst of days, I am so fortunate to live in the United States of America to have uh, to have the privileges uh, have the privileges that I've had in terms of food security in relative terms and all those, all those sorts of things that there are people that, that don't know, that won't ever know that in their lives, that, that I'm blessed beyond comprehension. Yeah, absolutely. I think having a foundation of something you believe in is, is really important. I really uh, count a lot of my success to women. Um, I had a mentor in my graduate program, Erica Mayo. She's a realtor in Nashville. She was fundamental in a lot of the growth that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, But Wendy Bob is another therapist here in the city. And so I did a lot of connecting with people before I actually fully stepped into this thing. And they pulled me aside and say, hey, this works. This doesn't work. Contact this person. Contact this person. So several times a week, I was just having connecting calls with different people to figure out, okay, what am I stepping into? I know what I want it to look like, but I don't actually know how to get there. Help me. Hmm. Um, and, And they did that. Well, interesting. And, and while people are people, and as, as we mentioned before, human psychology is a, is a constant, uh, there are some gender differences and that sort of thing as well. Do you find having uh, uh, advisors that give you perspective from you know, that, are, uh, that are female, yeah. give you as a male a perspective that you wouldn't have otherwise, and even in things in terms of day-to-day business? Yeah, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it that way. I really just owe a lot of the, 
the growth and the awareness to women that have have really poured into me. Um, Shinobia Webster Hill is another one who said, quit that job, you know, leave it. That's okay. Um, I think that the women have just been more forthcoming um, and and not afraid to share the resources and and the knowledge. Um, Yeah, so I think that my experience has been different in that regard in terms of mentorship. Um, But I have identified a mentor now. He's a psychologist in Nashville. And so we connect on a monthly basis. So I think that that's really important. But as long as you have somebody that has at least come before you to show you something. Right. Well, it almost seemed to me, too, that that having having uh, strong male relationships in your life and, and people that you can be vulnerable with as a male yeah. open you up to be more receptive to no, quite the, op- quite the opposite. Oh, really? Yeah, quite the opposite. Um, so my father, he passed uh, the day before I turned 10 years old. Okay. And so I had uncles present. Okay. Um, but in terms of, you know, my mother, strong black woman uh-huh. um, who had to figure it out. Uh, and then I had mentors that were women and a lot of uh, friends that are that are women um, that have gone on to do business and then that I get to see, hey, you're doing this thing. And it just I think it just worked out that way. You know, friends from college. Yeah. Um, I have a friend that's an interior design designer, uh, Victoria Morgan in Nashville. I have a friend that owns her own private practice, uh, a lawyer in, in D.C., Jessica Ornsby. And so these women have created these businesses and stepped out on faith. And so I was able to see those. Those are my friends. Same age. Right. Right. But they did this thing. I got to see it as an example, and it just so happened to work out that way. Um, I don't, I don't, I hadn't really thought much about, hmm, well, you know, they're women, and what about the men? And no, it just worked out that way, and I'm thankful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so magnificent. I, I also have the privilege of being surrounded by uh, strong women that, yeah. I, uh, that I admire, and it makes all the difference in the world and, and uh, in my life and in my business relationships. Yeah, absolutely. As well. Uh, have you faced any significant challenges owning a business and being a therapist as, a, as an African-American man in Memphis? Ooh. Um, you know, one thing that feels a little bit icky as a therapist is talking about payment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when I first started working with clients privately and I would say, hey, my my price is this. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have people try to haggle with me. Right. And that made it uncomfortable. Sure. Um, and so I had people to say, no, stick to your price. You've gone to school 11 and a half years. You have thousands of hours of training. Stick to your price. And so I, I don't I don't know if it's if it's because I'm a therapist or if I'm a black male therapist, I don't know what that's about, but people do try to haggle with you about price sometimes. Interesting. Opposed to just saying, hey, I want to invest in this. I can do it or I can't do it. And so I think one thing, so you had that idea and then I would book a session uh, and people just not show. Mm-hmm. And then on the back end, it's like, well, I just, I really couldn't do it, but we could have set that up front. Uh, and so I think that that's been a challenge in business that I would assume other therapists would also experience. Uh, and so being firm from a business perspective of this is what my fee is, this is what I can offer you, um, and explaining how it is an investment, because it truly is. Anybody that's ever done therapists and connected with their therapist, you know, I'm not going to say that um, I know that one size doesn't fit all. And I also recognize that sometimes it's not a good fit the first time around. And just like a barber, you go to somebody else and you go to somebody else and so they can get it right. Sometimes that's it's the same way um, with therapy or, or other um, professions. Uh, and so I think that that was a challenge, but I've been able to overcome that and just stick with 
what my fee is. Well, yeah, I, I, I found that fairly early on and when I was probably your age in my business career, too, is that I had a mentor that, that uh, I was having some of those same issues. And he said, look, you need to stand firm. He said, John, he said, you just need to say, look, I'm a professional. Yeah. I've had all the practice I need. Yeah. If, if you want somebody that's going to practice on you, you might be able to find somebody mm -hmm. that, that wants to, to do that. If you want somebody that's a professional that knows what he's doing, then I'm your man. Yeah. And, and stand firm with that. Yeah. And I, I think that um, that feels a little icky when you're trained to, to you know, give unconditional positive regard and, and, and really caring. But in reality, hey, this is also a business. Well, it is. But I, th I would think, too, that you've got to find that investment needs to be bilateral. For sure. Like any like any good relationship. Yeah. Uh, if, it, if it's asymmetrical, it's not going to work. Yeah. 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 And so I think that, you know, people are getting with the program okay. and they're wanting the help and, and it's definitely out there. And so I think as people connect to that, you can get what you need. Well, tell me, uh, as we close up, what makes uh, Navigating Courage uniquely Memphis? Mm. Ooh. Well, I am a licensed therapist for the state of Tennessee and my office is right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, and so I can see clients telehealth throughout the state. But if you're in Memphis and you want an in-person therapist and you want a male therapist, then you're an adult male or a couple. I'm the guy for you. Um, I have grown up in Memphis. I love Memphis. I think Memphis has afforded me all of the great opportunities that I've had. Started out in East Tennessee for college and worked my way back home. Um, and so I can speak to different neighborhoods. I can speak to the cultures and the belief system here in Memphis. And I know what, it, what the heart feels like. Uh -huh. Um, and I think that, that makes me different. A lot of people that relocate either back to Memphis or just from another city will find me um, as they acclimate to the city. And I think that that's a really cool thing because I can say, hey, go here. They have a really good chicken sandwich. You know, um, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a chicken sandwich with slaw on it. Uh, and so uh, I think that that makes me uniquely Memphis. Very cool. Well, tell us again how uh, people get a hold of you. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Justin Dotson, licensed professional counselor here in the state of Tennessee, um, my website is navigatingcouragecac.com. My email address is navigatingcourage at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter or Instagram at it's Dr. J. Key. Okay. And if somebody uh, wanted to come for an in-office visit, uh, what part of town is your office in? I am right off Poplar Avenue on International Drive. So I am diagonal from the Babalu right there oh. uh, behind International Paper. Oh my goodness, that'd be yeah. even heavier if I were diagonal from Babalu. You know, I have not gone over there yet. I think I'm fighting the temptation. Right, yeah. You got to try the handmade guac. The guac is good. You know, they actually have a really good burger too. That's, uh, you know, uh, Jamie, my uh, co-worker would say that that's her favorite thing. Actually, yeah, they have a burger. good burger, but I've resisted the temptation to go over there. Uh, <laughs> and that's probably good for my waistline. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in. We want to thank our guest, uh, Dr. Justin Dodson of Navigating Courage Counseling and Consultation, LLC. Give Dr. Dodson a call if you've been experiencing anxiety, depression, or any negative emotions caused by COVID-19 or anything else in your life. Thanks for listening to The Profit Link-Up. Tune in for more local business spotlights and stories of businesses that are uniquely Memphis. Thanks for having me.